I am hundred percent keeping that part in. I can't wait. That's going to, that's the, that's the pre-roll to the show. I'm keeping that in. Nope. No edits. Super loose. Let's go. Let's get weird with it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Overrun Podcast. My name is Ed Bowder. I am going solo today because the rest of the crew is busy preparing for our uh, mid-year event. And today I'm lucky enough to talk with Natalie Zink. She is a medical student in Georgia. Um, before we get too far into it, I do want to just warn the audience, we're going to be talking about some very serious issues today. We're going to be talking extensively about abortion. If that is not your thing, uh, we'll, we'll catch you next time. I guess. But for those that are sticking around, here's Natalie. Natalie, thank you for coming on to the show. Uh, tell us a little bit about you. All right. Thanks for having me. This is so exciting. Um, it's something that I think is super important to talk about. And I would encourage the people who are uncomfy to listen just for like maybe double time it and just pick up something subliminally uh, as you go. But there's, there's something in here for everybody, but <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. Um, so my name is Natalie Zink. I am a medical student down at the Medical College of Georgia um, in Augusta. And before that, my past life, I was a paramedic up in Michigan in the uh, Ann Arbor area for about three years. And then I went, came back home to Georgia and I worked for Grady in Atlanta for another year or so. Uh, pandemic hit, got into med school and things started going a different path for me. But so my big, my big passion is pre-hospital medicine and uh, whatever I do specialty wise will definitely kind of surround uh, pre-hospital out of hospital medicine. Cause I think that that's just like such an important part of the puzzle uh, into healthcare as a whole. And it's the safety net to end all safety nets. And I think there's something incredibly sacred about having um, your own space in the back of an ambulance with your patient. And I think that patients sometimes look at us as medics as more allies even than getting to the hospital yeah. and having some of those other um, pressures around, I guess. So that's my, that's my plug for EMS always. Like, I love it. It's no, there is, home. there is definitely a very unique relationship between EMS and the patient as compared to the hospital. Um, and you know, it, that can be as it relates to the departments that go to the hospital or, you know, they had a bad experience at this hospital in a system, but maybe a different hospital in the same system. You know, I think that we can help. I, I hesitate to say like, we can help guide patient care because I know that there's legal terminology that interrupts with that, but like we can make decisions and help the patient, you know, get to a better outcome, which is something that we've been discussing on the show for years, but it's, I think it's a central tenant of EMS that I don't want to say that we forget, but I feel like we, we sort of, you know, lose the forest for the trees. We undermine, we undermine it ourselves because I think when you think about yourself as almost like a counselor and not just psychological meaning of that term, but a counselor towards like, you can really set the tone for the whole rest of the experience for them is like, if you're rolling your eyes and saying, well, those doctors don't know anything or whatever, okay, that patient's going to be put off because they do trust your opinion. So now yeah. if you prepare them in a way to say like, now they might do this, they might say that. And I, I would encourage you, even if it's kind of like stretching the truth, if you're like my friend, you know, had that experience and they actually really liked it and they thought that medicine worked well. Um, you just get to have like a more intimate view with your, um, with your patients. So I think it's something, mm -hmm. if you think of yourself as like a counselor to help them make decisions, I think we can have a lot of good, um, with EMS and feel good about ourselves when we go home too. 
Right. And to that end, you know, there's not a lot of people that experience the human condition in the back of the truck the way that we do, right? You'll have people who patients in the back of your ambulance are going to admit things to you that they don't admit to their family or to their spouses or to their loved ones, um, which is, and it's part of the reason that I think we wanted to talk about this um, exactly. specifically. So for the uninitiated, um, there was a leak, uh, I guess, as we're recording this a couple of weeks ago out of the United States Supreme Court with the plan essentially to overturn uh, Roe v. Wade and Casey versus Planned Parenthood, which is uh, Roe v. Wade was a 70s decision legalizing abortion. Casey was a 92 decision uh, essentially codifying it. And it seems that this is something that might be reversed. Now, Natalie, you and I were talking off air. That might not be the case, but we're going to proceed ahead as if it is. Um, And specifically, we're going to give some information about abortions in the country. And then I also want to go into how we can treat these people pre-hospitally um, because depending on your state, uh, if this does go through, there will be 22 states in which uh, abortions will be considered illegal. And something that we've kind of found is that making abortions illegal doesn't reduce abortions and only reduces safe abortions. So um, now that we've lost three quarters of our audience because I know. Goodbye. They feel like this conversation is yucky. Um, <laughs> so let's go through some basic things. So the, the terminology essentially, you know, Abortion is more of a, an umbrella term. Um, it essentially comes down to a lost pregnancy. So you can have a miscarriage, ectopics that have to be surgically repaired. Um, and there's various types, like incompletes, things like that. Um, and there's just a lot of definitions. So the first problem is, you know, we have to define terms and just saying, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to go get an abortion is not really the terminology that we should use. So w- walk the audience through some of these different things and what might we be confusing just because of bad terminology. Yeah. So abortion is a medical term. So abortion shouldn't even really be in the legal realm in general, but uh, abortion is a medical term and it really means any loss of pregnancy. So a miscarriage is a spontaneous abortion. That's, they're the same thing. Um, So abortion can be classified into lots of different things, just like Ed was saying, where it's like, there's an incomplete abortion, uh, which is like, okay, we know that mom was pregnant. Uh, She started bleeding, but the, you know, it's maybe not all out yet. The OS is still open. Uh, we have a like threatened abortion where it's like, we know things are gonna come out. Like things are not going to end well. Um, so the point in saying all of this is to say, like, um, when we use our terms, it's, this isn't a politicized term, right? Like this isn't like a a polarized term in just speaking about it. And, and we say that because look at like the, the GPA, you know, gravita para and abortions when Mm -hmm. you're just like, you're literally just talking about like quantifying how many pregnancy, like how many times has this person been pregnant? How many times did they deliver and how many abortions were had? And, and I don't, really give a shit if that was with a DNC or with a pill or, or a miscarriage, um, or, anything, or, a miscarriage matter, yeah. or something, you know, tragic that happened to you. I don't know. Um, in a car crash and you lose the baby, that's an abortion. So that's right. why medical providers are so aggravated at this idea because it, it actually isn't that simple. And so when we talk about like legalizing or illegalizing um, something like abortion, that's just like kind of a gross overstep and it's kind of a gross misconception here. So I think that that's why um, it is something that we need to talk about and, and need to like get on the same page about is that we have lawmakers over here trying to kind of jump into the medical field without the proper knowledge. So, um, yeah, I think that's an important clarification. Well, and, I, and that's kind of everything, right? Like the, the world exists in shades of gray. So that's, you know, there's, there's a, 
it's like, you know, the pro-life pro-choice debate, or, you know, are you pro or anti-abortion? And it's, it's, it's just not that simple. Um, there is a bill that is pending in the state of Oklahoma right now that would outlaw abortion from the moment of fertilization, which is a bananas concept. Um, but that, like making that type of law. Yeah. Let me go, let me go into that a little bit. Um, because that a huge, uh, complication of that law in particular is that a lot of the contraception methods that exist could be perceived as As an actual abortion Yeah, as an actual abortion under that law, because some of the ways like think of like an IUD, right? So a copper IUD works in kind of two ways. Uh, a copper IUD can, which I think is the most fun thing ever. Cause I love to think about how this was discovered, but a copper IUD can stop sperm from swimming. That's one part of it. Um, so I always picture like the intern at the sperm bank, like leaning over on the samples and a penny falls out <laughs> just, of their pocket stirring and they all just straw. stop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the sperm just freeze. So I love thinking about that. Um, but then the other way is it makes the, um, actual like endometrium uninhabitable. Like it makes right. it not a happy place to implant. So then when you think about that, it's like, Oh fuck implant prevents implantation. Okay. Well then by Oklahoma standards, I mean, we're fertilizing all the way back in the fallopian tubes over mm-hmm. here, which is by the way, why ectopic pregnancies, um, can happen because that's where we fertilize where most of the time. Right. And so for it to kind of the blastocyst kind of come and swim on down and implant onto the endometrium. Well, thank God I have an IUD and it's an uninhabitable environment. And so, you know, what's done is done. So if you think about it like that, that's, that's very scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, like emergency contraception too. So like my, my point in saying all of this is like, everyone's like, okay, well that, that chick was irresponsible. She got pregnant. She was irresponsible. She should have just, uh, not had sex first of all, which is like, LOL, uh, yeah. sec- <laughs> like second of all, she should have been taking birth control pills and people use abortion as birth control. Okay. Well, no, first of all, abortion is very expensive, but, um, no, I think about it as like, she did everything right though right? Like she did everything right. She was taking, like taking her pill. She was, she used an IUD, like shit can just sometimes happen. And Mm -hmm. so then there's emergency contraception, right? Like I missed a pill. I had unprotected sex. Now I need to do this. Um, okay. Well that is just basically the way I explain plan B is like, think about taking like a whole pack of birth control pills at once kind of just really going ham with it. Just just all day. That's it. Just chug it. Yeah. So that's kind of the concept is that it really is just tricking the body into thinking it's like already pregnant in a way. So it's, it's hopefully going to stop ovulation from happening. And then it's definitely going to make it where we're not creating a lining of the uh, uterus to sustain the pregnancy. So then under Oklahoma's law, um, proposed law, praise God, hopefully (laughs) fingers crossed. Um, that gets in the way of that. That gets in the way of like, you were raped the next day. You're like, I was raped. Shit. I'm going to the hospital. You can get prep. You can get blood work. You can get, you know, Mm -hmm. um, azithromycin and dot, 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 azithromycin and chlamydia and gonorrhea. What's the other one you give? Like doxy doxy. Oh my God. (laughs) Hey guys, it's Ed. For the interest of completeness, we're talking about ceftriaxone. We got Doxy confused, uh, so ceftriaxone in this setting. So we'll get back to the show now. Oh, scary. <laughs> we're, okay. We're, we're, we're both medical students about six oh months God. apart in our training. That's the best part of it. <laughs> oh, 
I just panicked. It's like, it's like oh, why no. have I forgotten? Oh, no. What do I have to get? <laughs> why have I forgotten coverage? I no. am 100% so- keeping that part in. I can't wait. That's going to that's the that's the pre-roll to the show. I'm keeping that's that the in. Pre-roll's like, no, not, no, not no. Nope. No edits. Super loose. Let's go. Let's get weird with it. But yeah. But so I- like you can get your treatment for um, chlamydia and gonorrhea, but then there would be a big question mark on if I could help myself um, prevent a pregnancy, which at this point you can, and you can just, it's like, not that it's no big deal, but it kind of is you, you will be okay. Right. You can mm-hmm. take plan B, um, or you can get an IUD placed and kind of not worry about that being an option, but it's, it's a mess. It's a yeah. mess. And, and just for, just for the audience, like we're not, we are not trying to delve into the politics of this, but politics do often uh, right. interfere with our reality. Um, our own political leanings, notwithstanding there are definitions and realities that we have to accept. Um, you know, and the idea of using abortions as birth control is just silly. Um, anyone, you know, if you, the thing is, what it was, one in three women in the United States have had an abortion. So, you know, mm-hmm. someone that's had one. Um, I, you know, I, I certainly have friends that have had one. None of them were like, hell yeah, I had an abortion today. It was great. You know, it's not, it's not a, a celebratory event. So I think that's kind of the first thing like even, even elective terminations, like it, it's not, well, it's a, it's a, it's a you know. procedure, you, you yeah. know, it's a, it's a procedure, it's a medication. So, so I, I do with that point, it's like, nobody likes abortion, things like that. I mean, it's true to a, a degree, but then there is also the point where it's like, okay, but it is kind of a good thing. If it's like, it, it is allowing me my, my freedom back or something yes. like if it no, is 100%. something there, what, you know? what I'm saying is that like, people aren't running to the clinic with, balloons, oh, no, they're not. Like, oh, hell yeah. They're not like, pumped that they get they, to cramp and bleed for the next yeah. week of their life. You know, right. like that's not an exciting not thing. Exciting. And also they're very expensive. Like it can range from like four fifty to $900, yeah. you know, like this isn't something you do on a fucking whim. So <laughs> nothing else to do on a Monday afternoon. I, I know. Right. Like I actually yeah. just, I'm going to terminate a pregnancy real quick. Like it, it doesn't, <laughs> real quick. It, from like it doesn't 10 make to 10 30. Se- yeah. It doesn't make sense. So it, it's very aggravating to me that that is uh, how it's kind of come to be. And um, so yeah, you're right. Like pol- politics aside, and I'm not here to like, you know, radicalize anybody. I, I understand. And I, I actually, I grew up super Catholic. I went to a Catholic school. So there's always like that part of me too. That's like, okay, well, but y- you have to remember too, like my like personal beliefs are, aren't really relevant as it turns out, because like, it's not a sin in like Jewish cultures. It's not a sin in Islamic cultures. Like right. there, this is kind of, it's actually, if, I mean, and you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to get flack for this but i mean you there's parts of the bible that can be interpreted as as pro-choice mm-hmm. so um, that's true. and that that's that's the fun about studying religion is you get to find all the uh all the loopholes absolutely um and, and there, there's other legislation that's being uh suggested there's a couple that are just very very silly one of them is uh the removal of an ectopic pregnancy and a re-implantation oh yeah just re-implant um, it just, just yeah. put it right back in there. So, uh, we, we can that tell was that-, that guy in Ohio. So yeah. you can't really trust Ohioans <laughs> for anything anyway. Well, that's it. Like, we, you know, we, <laughs> we, we can trust that, uh, non-medical people are, are writing these laws. Yeah. Um, so, but let's, let's talk about a little bit, a little bit about ectopics. Mm-hmm. It's, it's something that I think cool. is very classically uh, discussed in EMT and medic school. It has a very, you know, we always hear about the class presentation, you know, day plus three of some sort of unprotected intercourse, lower abdominal pain, some spotty bleeding and things like that. Um, 
so it, I, I want to talk about some of the regular pregnancy pre presentations, and then we'll get into what we might see should this law get passed. Sure. Okay. So let's let's go through ectopics real quick. What can yeah. cause okay. them? How are they going to present? How can we treat them? So ectopic pregnancies, uh, it is the classic, any um, female or uh, person with uh, uterus, any person with uterus and ovaries and whatnot, um, if they are presenting with abdominal pain, it is an ectopic until proven otherwise. Like that is certainly how we need to think about it I, because it is like the most immediate life threat. I'm just going to jump in real quick because you said person with uterus uh, to anyone that is listening. Uh, no one gives a shit about your opinion about what they want to be called. You will address people as they would <laughs> exactly. like to be called. It does not matter. Exactly. The person, it's the person, like just the person like with the uterus, even if they have a mustache is pregnant. That's it. Treat that's them. it. I don't Figure care about your morality. No, like figure it out. Like that is, and, and treat them with respect. Like it doesn't, it really just doesn't matter. Like, I don't understand why people get so fucking riled. It's like, whatever they, whatever they want, that's great. I'm not here to like say dick about anything really. But anyway, so um, any person reproductive age with abdominal pain, ectopic until proven otherwise, that is the way we should think about it. That is the most immediate life threat that uh, could be presenting. Um, and so that actually was something that when I was going through thinking about, okay, like what would, be super important for EMS to be thinking about with this. Um, and I do think that this is a great opportunity to incorporate, um, uh, POCUS as more and more agencies are getting ultrasound, which, you know, right, wrong. Otherwise, if you're going to have an ultrasound, at least be smart about having an ultrasound, you know? Um, so the idea that you want to just check for like a fast exam, see if it's ruptured, that would, what you're going to see with a ruptured ectopic, is a very sick looking person. I mean, extremely like they are bleeding into their belly period. Um, so that I think everybody knows to be afraid of that. Um, so you look for the, the main, just like acute uh, abdomen signs where they're just extremely tender. Uh, they're trying to, they like, can't get comfortable. They're so like, they're like fragile glass type of person. Cause they just seem like so miserable. They're going to likely be in shock if it's ruptured. Um, so basically pathophys wise of how this happens, we talked about a little bit where it's like the egg gets released, sperm swims up into the fallopian tube. Oops. It doesn't make its way back down. It implants most commonplace is going to be in the, um, ampulla, like in the, uh, of the fallopian tubes in the tube of it. So Obviously the uterus and the adnexal area, which is like everything in the female reproductive tract that is not the uterus, um, is wildly vascular, wildly vascular. So this is probably the worst thing that could happen is <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> is something that's growing, they're growing, growing. And then eventually, of course, it's not going to be able to stay in that spot. So it's probably going to rupture once it gets big enough, um, and then they will bleed into their abdomen. And the, the principal concern with EMS too, it's it's not necessarily the presence of an ectopic. It's certainly something we want to keep sort of in our differential, mm -hmm. but it, it is the the rupture. Exactly. And similarly to like when we talk about how to assess a AAA or anything like that, the patients that have like understand that an organ inside their body has exploded. <laughs> a like, very vascular that's, that's organ. Like that, that's, that's what that is. So when you're wondering about like the presentation, you know, we talk about like, you know, guarding rebound tenderness, like, no, these people are very, what, and again, whether it's a ruptured ectopic, triple A, you can kind of look people mm -hmm. the same way, you know, it's this tearing 
diffuse sort of, you know, otherwise nondescript abdominal pain that is very, very tender to touch because you have all that blood building up and you have, you know, essentially, you know, bloody ascites sort of, and it's just all this extra pain and pressure that's building up. And like, you'll, you'll know there's no, you know, it's sort of like, if you're going to a shooting victim and you're like, well, did they get shot? Like, well, they either have a bullet in them or they don't. Right. And, you know, when you see these people, it's like, they're either remarkably uncomfortable in a lot of pain or they're not. And if they're not, then it's a different thing that you have to do. And then we also have to kind of be careful not to, uh, you know, not to chase zebras kind of thing. Oh Um, yeah. Yeah, totally. And, and so to like fast forward a little bit through is like what, you know, what happens with the neck topic. So it's either going to be small enough and the patient's going to be stable that we can give methotrexate and the body literally absorbs it back up, which I think is the coolest thing ever. Um, or, you're going to get surgery and more than likely you're going to lose parts of your, uh, of your reproductive system because, um, this causes a huge threat to that. Um, so that's, that's the first and scariest thing from an EMS perspective, what we need to consider. And this is something, you know, if we have, if you have POCUS or if you have a probe available, if your assistant's doing ultrasound, like Natalie said, you, you can do a fast scan just to see if there's any bleeding in the abdomen, um, or if you can see any sort of fetal cardiac activity, anything like that. Um, if you're really feeling froggy and, you know, you have a very high powered stethoscope, maybe you can hear something, but I, I think that uh, your, your POCUS is probably your best bet. But, I think, yeah, I think so. And then no, I, I'm, I'm saying that I know, sort of I was like, 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 like a high powered like, stethoscope. Well, no, cause you know, there's going to be someone no, with like the, the whatever the, 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 the $600, yeah. you know, electric stethoscopes. Yeah. Um, like my cardiologist has a Bluetooth stethoscope that like connects that's pretty to dope. Headphones, so it is. That's pretty you know, dope. So that's when I think of like, well, what, you, what let's see how much can we actually hear? Um, <laughs> so, and that, those are the patients that we would, we were worried about in the first place, right? Like before this oh, yeah. decision came along, we we're worried about ectopics where, you know, pregnancy in general in the field is, I don't mean to say it's not a big deal, but it's kind of not a big deal. It's a natural occurrence happens all the time. Uh, you know, footling breaches are pretty rare. Breach births are fairly rare. You know, mm-hmm. generally speaking in the field, you just see a pregnant woman, they have a baby and then you're kind of off to the races, but right. those aren't, but those aren't the ones that we're there for. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, exactly. And, and I think that especially as you know, Jeff Jarvis and the like, we move towards like, Hey, we really should be limiting our lights and sirens. I have seen so many partners. So scared of like a woman in labor and turn the lights on for that and drive like maniac. And it's like, no, this is quite li- just like you said, Ed, like this is quite literally the most natural process well, since and, the beginning of time. Even you know? using the lights and sirens, that's something that is going to affect their physiology too, because you're mm-hmm. adding just being in an ambulance causes mm-hmm. undue stress and makes you more hypersympathetic than you should be. Right. Um, so let's talk about the, the actual medical necessity for abortions, because uh, again, there's, there is some, I tend to think it's somewhat of an asinine debate about why people go to get pregnancies terminated. Um, again, uh, it, it has at least been my experience that uh, recreational termination of pregnancy is not something that people often do. Uh, <laughs> it's, you know, there's, yeah. So that, that's kind of my thought on it, but uh, yeah. yeah, let's, let's talk a little bit about the medical necessity for it and uh, what, what might be taken away with this decision and uh, yeah, some, yeah. some health risks to the parents and, you know, let's, let's build off of that for a little bit. Yeah. So it's really hard to get good, um, good stats on this because a lot of the time it's just kind of handled privately or like someone has an abortion and then like uh, an abortion by that, I mean, a miscarriage, um, a spontaneous abortion and 
they just don't come back in or whatever, and they don't follow up. So sometimes it's hard, but 30% of all pregnancies end in abortion period. Um, that's, that's the good estimate at this point, which by the way, there's a really good resource for all of this from a legal standpoint and medical, it's called Guttmacher Institute. Um, and that's, that's something that if you're, if you get curious about this, like definitely look that up because it's, it's a really good resource for folks. Um, but 30% of all pregnancies end in abortion. And then we can extrapolate that even higher for like a unsafe abortion, which is what they call it. Um, when it's just anyone who is not like a trained professional, um, providing an abortion. So I always like to start like our abortion safe, uh, because that is something that can get a bad rep where it's like, well, that's really dangerous, whatever. Well, actually not like the, the complication rate of like, um, mifepristone and mesoprostol is actually less than like getting a tooth extraction, like the mortality rate and less than getting a shot of penicillin. Like I, just, I want to point out to the audience that, uh, so Natalie and I wrote a rundown for this, uh, this episode, just to kind of keep us on track. <laughs> and the note that we have here is our abortions performed now safe. Yes. LOL is the tag. Me writing notes always. I'm like, yes, lol, it's good. Yeah, we're fine. <laughs> like, why are we even asking that question? Yeah, but <laughs> um, but so I went and it's like, okay, well, how can we tell that they're safe? And so I did kind of a good dive about just like some cool stats about this. And it said abortion-related ED visits represented 0.01% of all ED visits among women of reproductive age. And then three quarters of abortion related ED visits resulted in discharge. So abortion related ED visits, they define in this case, uh, in this study as like just some sort of complication after they received an elective abortion. And so 75% of them, they come in and they're like, you were just scared. You were, um, you know, you weren't ready for the amount of blood and the amount of cramping and like, how could you be ready for that? It's going to be intense. Right. So, uh, you're good peace out, see you later. And then half of them received observation care only. And then, um, nearly a third of the visits resulted in a uterine re-aspiration. So of, of clearing the, um, contents of conception or repeat abortion procedure. So the most commonly administered medication was pain medicine followed by anti-nausea medicine and antibiotics. So that's uh, something I wanted to talk about from like an EMS perspective as well, where it's like, you get someone who like had an abortion yesterday or something, what do you do? Okay. That's, that's when we're, we're just managing their son. We're trying to be supportive for them. Um, and this might but, be a patient population too, where we're, you know, sort of back of the truck therapists too, where, you know, absolutely. it's, we, you know, it's an essential role that we give, you know, pain medicine, fluid, you know, at most trucks, I think at this point carries Ofran, um, you know, or whatever you're giving for, for antiemesis. Um, and you know, if you're a medic unit that carries antibiotics, good for you. Uh, I, there's some debate, at least in our area about whether or not medics should give antibiotics, um, which is for a different, show. But mm -hmm. again, like if, if you run into a patient who reports having a procedure done and it's just, you know, this excessive vaginal bleed, understand that you're not necessarily treating them any different because of what happened. But I do think that the actual psychology of you going into someone who's had, you know, a, a failed abortion can be somewhat scary for the providers. Um, that said, it's also terrifying for the patients because the amount of blood that's supposed to be outside your body generally is zero. And you'll find these patients have significantly more than that. So you, your role in the back of the truck might just be like, hey, listen, this is, this is what happened. We're going to manage your pain. We're going to manage your nausea. You know, 
and like you can hesitate to say like, oh, it'll be okay or whatever, but you, you do want to have some encouraging words to the patient. I said, given this data, 75% are discharged with no sequela. So I think that's, that's exactly, I don't think you could pay for success rates like that with most procedures. No, literally. And it's like the, the final, like big tagline is the major incident rate for abortion is 0.1%, which is lower than the published rates for pregnancy by the way, pregnancy is not an innocuous situation. I just blew out everyone's eardrums. Remember that fact, <laughs> remember it. Um, but pregnancy is 1.4% uh, chance of a major incident. And as well as other common procedures, such as colonoscopy, there's literally less incidents, fewer incidents of, um, for abortion of a major incident for abortion than there is for a colonoscopy or a wisdom so, tooth removal. So just one more time for the people in the back, the incidence of follow-up sequela after abortion is lower than procedures such as colonoscopy, wisdom tooth removal, tonsillectomy, and standard pregnancy. Because we are also, I think as an industry uh, in EMS, we are bad at considering pregnancy as a physiologic illness, despite, and give me all the brushback you want, there is a parasite growing inside of you that is feeding <laughs> off of your nutrients. And like that is, that's a whole other thing that there's a lot of problems that can be caused during pregnancy, which, and I don't know if this is your experience. I wasn't really exposed to as a medic, I was more exposed to them during medical school mm -hmm. where, you know, there's, whether it's, you know, ch changes in preload and afterload and all that other stuff, there is, there's a lot of significant physiologic changes that occur during. Oh, pregnancy. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, th I think that it's just, I'm trying to decide which like direction I want to go, but I'm going to, I'm going to go into the, um, I know like the whole question was like the medical necessity for abortion, which like we will get back to, don't worry. But I just want to go for like, if you have a person in the back of your truck, just because that, this is the study that I'm referencing. If you have a person in the back of your truck who had an abortion yesterday, two days ago, whatever, and is now calling you and freaking out. And, and this was a blog post I had written off of one of my calls. Cause this is the worst case of sepsis that I've, I've ever had. And it was very scary. Um, and she was 35, reasonably healthy, you know, whatever's going on. And she looked like shit. I mean, like terrible. And her, she still has like the record for the highest fever I've had in the truck. She's like one Oh four, seven. I'm like, that's not that's good. High. That's too high. I don't know much, but I know it's bad. And so, but you know what? Like you have to actually ask your patients some questions. Like, even if you're like uncomfortable or you, you don't know how to ask, or you don't want to like offend them, or you don't want to, you don't agree with how she got here in the first place, which like, again, I don't understand. I don't agree with people fucking skateboarding, but I'd still treat their damn, you know, dislocated yeah. arm, you know, like get over it. So anyway, but because I, I spoke to her and I was able to like, get some information from her, she was using tampons that sucks. Like that super sucks. It's like something wasn't communicated to her that like, it's not cool to use tampons for the blood that it's like pouring out of you. And now right. she is like, a, a raging sepsis machine, you know? And so I think that that's, or asking about the quality of the blood, um, and stuff that makes people like, ew, gross, this isn't cool, whatever. No, like I need to know if you saw a fucking fetus or not. Yeah. Okay. Like that's important to me because if you are still lined with like products of conception inside your uterus, that's bad. That's like, important. Yeah. That's that, important they need to, to come know, out. you know? So it's like, it, it helps our 
it helps them get better care faster. Like I know that's like, oh, that's a doctor's problem. Fuck off with that. Like that <laughs> it's a basic conversation. Like, oh my God, what are you doing? You're bleeding from your vag. Got it. You know, like what is right. that the really the extent? So do you, do you think there is an easy, well, I don't want to say an easy way. Do you think there's an effective way to coach providers to, I guess, not be grossed out by the yucky stuff aside from so just I, desensitization? This is something I've been thinking about for a long time. Um, because, and it is something I've like spoken about a lot too, because we're just like undereducated on gynecology in general. 100%. Um, and, and, you know, this is my soapbox for the end of time, but like, it is seen in, it is thrown in the special population segment, which is just hysterical, like 50% yeah. of the population, but special. Yeah. Well, and, okay, and, and, and again, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's something that that happens throughout the education oh, yeah. system. That's not, that's not just, you know, a, a medicine or an EMS thing. Um, there's, I, you know, if you ever feel like rabbit holing through Reddit, there's just a million threads that are terrific. But there was one I saw a week or two ago that was talking about a series of people that were going through medical school, men that did not know a, where the clitoris was or B that right. it existed. And there are people that like specifically were like, Oh, I honestly thought that babies grew in the abdomen. And it's like, you're in medical school. It's brutal. You it's know, brutal. It's, we are, we are hilariously undereducated about reproductive health, specifically women's reproductive health. I mean, right. And, and dude, I think dudes just, are easy. We're just kind of, we just, kinda I know it's, there's just a poll, you know, yeah. and it's like, yeah, two lane highway and you. things yeah. just work, you know, but, um, no, I, so I think gyne in general is really, uh, shat upon for lack of a better phrase, you know? Um, and then even then it's really trampled over by OB. Like, I do think we get an okay OB education from the, from the get go, but I think gyne is really lacking. And right. so I, I actually, I wrote a piece called like the, the period call, like the, the menstruation call, um, for EMS world, because I think that that was something that was so important where it's like, people can't talk about, like you get called for the period call, you're rolling your eyes, whatever it is. You're like, bro, this is your period. But like, there actually are a lot of bad things that can, can happen. And a lot of like big deal things that vaginal bleeding can actually point mm -hmm. to, but we're so uncomfortable asking the questions and we don't know how to phrase it in a way that patients understand it. We can't, we can't even talk about it medically. You know, how are we supposed to talk about it colloquially with some of our right. patients, you know? So I, I think that the, the main thing that I fall back on when, it, when I'm talking to colleagues about like, how, how can we do this is like, how often are you soaking through a pad? Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's kind of the easiest way. And it, then if they're like, oh, I'm using tampons, I'm like, okay, that's important to note right away. Is that like, cause that can add a whole different level of like complication here. Um, so, okay, well I'm using tampons. Okay. Are you changing a pad more than every hour? When you change your pad, is it soaked or is it just like, there's just a little blood. What's the color? Like, is this different than usual? How are your cramps? Are there clots? And, and I just, to me, it's like, I really genuinely don't understand how this is any ickier than like, any other icky thing, you know, any other sticky, icky thing that's like you have an abscess or you have, you know, a cut on your arm or whatever it is. But I, I think that that's just something that we have to, as a culture kind of shift a little bit. And I do think it's appropriate if like the patient seems more comfortable with a female partner or something, I think that's appropriate. But I, I did get kind of frustrated that it was like, there were a lot of male partners I worked with who were like, I stay above the equator. That's what I do. I stay above, you know, like it must be and the only thing I ever think of is like, that must be really sad for your personal life. Oh, I know. Right. Yeah. But it's just, it's just like, I, I think that, so the best advice I have is just like, 
bear, keep it professional, keep it like as follow your patient's lead. If like, if she's really like shy and, and really struggling, then really ask those, like now is a good time for close-ended questions. Yep. You know, like now might be a good time for those like very direct yes or no questions because she might not want to go into things more. And so that's when you say, did you see something that, that could have looked like a fetus? Did you so what, see that? What is your advice on actual like inspection uh, in the field? Because I feel like a lot of, especially a lot of men, I can, I, speaking as a man, mm-hmm. um, I, I feel like a lot of men are very uncomfortable you know, doing actual, and yeah. I'm not, I'm not suggesting we're doing like, you know, digital vaginal examinations, no, on people, no. but I think, I think a lot of providers are, whether it's, you know, nervous or whatever else, just because unco- again, we're, we live in a very litigious society nobody wants to oh, be yeah. sued for sexual harassment or whatever, but well, what, and, and what do you think is mention, a good approach to do that? Yeah. not to mention you're in the back alone with the patient. So yeah. it's, it's almost never appropriate truthfully, because even in a doctor's office, when you think about it, like they have chaperones in there and that's an OBGYN. That's a fully ass trained gynecologist and they still have chaperones in there for pelvic exams. So truthfully, I really don't think it's, it's ever super appropriate. Um, if unless something isn't adding up, right? Like if you are really struggling or something and, and all of a sudden you're noticing the sheets are just like red and you're like, what the fuck just happened? I, I think that we have to respect our patients like autonomy and privacy here. And I really don't, aside from checking to see if there is crowning, I just don't think it's There's going no real to reason be, to do it. Yeah. I just don't, I can't really think of one. And even with the crowning again, I don't think I would do that without a chaperone. Like, I don't think I do that without my partner there too. Somebody, even somebody just, else there. Yeah. Yeah. Just standing to the side. And, and that's like, as another female. And so I just don't think there's a lot to gather, unfortunately, from a physical exam, just because everything's inside, you right. know, and, and that's why, you know, ovarian torsion doesn't get treated as quickly as testicular torsion, because you see a really black ball. Yeah. You're going to drive fast. Like yeah. that's scary, but like your ovary looks just the same, but it's inside of you. So it, it's a little harder to, to work well, and, with that. I guess. And that's, that's kind of why I ask, cause I think that you know, you hear a significant vaginal bleed, you know, you might think of, and forgive the imagery, but you know, the elevator doors from the shining is the first thing that comes to my mind. Absolutely. Um, it, that's not how it happens. So I don't want providers to expect that kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, and then go in and be like, well, I checked it out and it wasn't, you know, actively hemorrhaging. And you're like, okay, no, but that's, it's not going like to. gravity, you know, gravity yeah. kind of matters right. here. Um, but... So I, I do want to get into some treatments because I, I think, Please. and, and I, God, I hope I'm wrong, but I do tend to think that there's going to be more um, illicit procedures performed. Uh, it, yeah. This may not happen to, to many of my colleagues in New Jersey, but certainly this is something that's going to happen uh, in the field. So there are some uh, illicit abortions that are performed, um, you know, illicit preterm terminations, and they are done through some fairly uh, unprofessional and savage means. Um, that can be very traumatic to the female that's carrying the child. And this is where we can get into like incomplete abortions and things like that. But let's let's talk a little bit about having someone who had a procedure performed, you know, their uncle knows the back alley abortion, the exactly. classic back well, alley. Abortion. Exactly. The thing that happens incidentally in the first act of dirty dancing that everyone forgets about. Exactly. Like they exactly. remember, they remember the lift. No one remembers why they were there. Exactly. Um, yeah. So let, let's talk about that and how we can treat that. Uh, yeah. short, short of just driving to the hospital quickly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, 
Dude, it just sucks. I think that like the first thing you have to like really think about with it, it really does. Like, this is just so freaking frustrating to even like go through, but it's like, I think the most important thing to do is to try your best to create a space where the patient can tell you exactly what happened. And so that's why I'm spending so much time talking about like questioning, because it's just like we said, physical exam isn't super useful in this case, as much as a really good line of questioning and trying to figure out what happened. Um, from our perspective as a paramedic, I think we just need to focus mostly on shock and sepsis. I think that is the main two things that we have to be worried about here. And this is also something where like a fast exam could come in handy here, depending on how far along they are. See if the fetal pole is present, see if there's cardiac activity, you probably could uh, get some of that just to, to get an idea of if, um, if it's still inside or not, cause that's again, going to lead to a higher chance of sepsis, but I just like to, um, go through a list of some of the things that they say, uh, folks can use for, uh, at home abortion. So this is from, uh, I think doctors without borders on this. So there's oral and injectable medications. Just listen how scary this shit is and the desperation that people go through. Um, and, and just, so just, as a, so, yeah. just as a disclaimer before we get people saying that we were advising this, we're not suggesting that you oh, do this. Fuck the, no. the whole, the entire purpose of reading this is that this is what people will do in the absence of safe and available or abort pregnancy termination, abortions, whatever terminology you would like to use in the, in lieu of going to their physician or to Planned Parenthood or to wherever else, th these things are what people are going to do to themselves in the absence of that availability. That's why we're putting it out there because people are going to start eating, for example, metal salts mm -hmm. and, then we're going to, and then we're going to have to bring Detergent. in, you know, toxicologists to do this. No, for real. And it is, it's really, it's just, it's so sad, dude. It's so sad. Like the things people will ingest, um, you can go on, I'm sure a Reddit page and everyone has their Give recipes that they can do. It says vaginal preparations, cervical dilators, potassium permanganate, herbal preparations, douching with soap, dried asparagus, compressed balsa wood, uterine instrumentation, the classic coat hanger, knitting needle, stick, crochet hook, douching, rubber catheter, um, turkey baster, just blow air into it or trauma to the abdomen, self-inflicted blows, abdominal pressure, jumping from a height. So it's like, uh, what needs to be understood here is like the truly the level of desperation that, that folks will go through just to try, they would burn their vagina, you know, like mm -hmm. they would literally put, uh, caustic substances, uh, that will erode. And when that erodes, again, we have this super vascular organ, good luck, you know, like, and I, I do think it's easy in EMS to, you know, you'll hear like silly stories. We're like, Oh my God, I had this patient do this once. And I think it's kind of easy to mix everything together. Um, but I do want the audience to consider for a moment, how desperate someone has to be to dry asparagus, which involves going to purchase asparagus. And that's a whole thing. Oh yes. That that's the uh, yeah. scariest one of all. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but, but you know what I mean? Like that, that someone yeah. was like, I don't have a way out. This is my best option. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I think that's, that's what we need to keep in our heads is that this isasn't. And again, going back to what you're talking about at the beginning, it's not like people wake up one day and they're like, hell yeah, today's the day. Like this is a very upsetting and traumatic thing for a lot of people. And it is, there's 
things that will happen out of desperation um, Mm -hmm. that I I think we need to at least remember. Like I said, I think it's easy to kind of, you know, brush things off a little bit, um, but it is something to keep in mind. Uh, I want to hear about Poland. Um, Yeah. And let's let's talk about that for a minute. And then, so let's cover Poland a bit and then let's, uh, let's do these politics thing. Because uh, I, I want to hear your uh, I like it your your quotes on here. Okay, so um, I thought that Poland was the perfect way because it's like what's going to happen to us. So I think Poland's the perfect comparison. It's it's a developed country and they outlawed abortion. I think it was January of last year. So we're now like a year out. We're able to kind of look back and see what's going on. Now I think this one I also put an LOL next to for the record is uh, there's about a thousand abortions annually and no change since law. Ha 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 ha. How funny is that? Oh, the law worked. We did less abort. Like, no, yeah. it didn't work guys. Yeah, nothing and, and that nothing is changed. legal abortions is what they're talking about is legal abortions. So um, Poland's uh, legislature in particular, it used to be that you could uh, it's elective until 12 weeks. And then if there were fetal defects after that, you could um, proceed with an abortion. So now it is, you, you can't, right? Like it's just, that's not an option. Uh, so it's only in rape and a threat to mom's life, which is, those are always interesting. So um, what they're finding is decreasing rates of prenatal testing because they don't want to know if the kid has um, defects or not, because they can't do anything about it. Um, and they don't like fewer people are actually getting pregnant in the country. Um, they're also having criminal charges for people who help, um, and doctors who like may help, or it, it gets sent to a board and to see if this was a legitimate abortion or not, which is also legislation that's being proposed in different States. In the United States. Exactly. Well. Exactly. Um, and so that would include like three years of jail time. So, um, this is what we really thought, or I really thought was interesting. Uh, so at 12 months, so we're at December of 2021. So this went into place in January of 2021 abortion without borders says it helped 32,000 Polish women access abortion compared with 5,200 in the previous year. And I think that that is so striking. Yeah. I I think, and and again, you, you see, I think that once you have procedures that are legal in a country, right. And you, you expect the change, it'll just go down. I think without adding critical thought to it, that's what you would expect to see. But, right. you know, it, it would be like if, you know, if you're eliminating one option, people are just going to find another option for things like it's right. the, the that you have a number that is increasing sevenfold is fascinating. But my my concern seeing that number is that I feel like it's underreported. Yeah, you know, I, that's that's the thing is that, they, OK, there's thirty two thousand people who have gotten access now no way it's just over borders yeah Yeah. by by crossing borders and and so of course then what this goes back to is of course this is always going to have a disproportionate worse effect on on underprivileged folks and and poor folks because you know the rich folks the the mm -mm, for the mistresses of the congressmen knock up they're always gonna be able to get an abortion right like that's just always going to be so they don't and that's kind of my, my point is that like, that's not what this is about, you know, like, that's not what this is about. And without getting too like, you know, too much of just an absolute rock hard, rock solid, like burn the bra feminist folk, which I am, but you know, without doing that, it, it is kind of about taking down people's rights, 
right? Like right. It, this really is something that's very simple because it's not changing the number in fucking Poland. Poland still has, which by the way, it's like you only had a thousand abortions a year like that. I don't know, man. That sounds yeah, like pretty like fine. That's a low number. it sounds like people are really using this appropriately in the first place. They're using it for the right times. And it's probably that was still mega underserved. I'm sure of it. Um, but it's just, it doesn't make sense. And, um, there have been some articles coming out of Poland too. There's like two specific cases, um, of maternal deaths that, uh, they're kind of using to try and challenge the law again. And one was a, uh, child with, I think it was Edwards syndrome or, Mm -hmm. but basically the kid had no head. Okay. Like this is not viable with life. And they found that out when she was kind of halfway through her pregnancy and they did not allow her to terminate it. And so she now has to carry this like unviable child, you know, like literally. And so first of all, it's like psychologically that's fucked up. Um, But second of all, it's about like, you just pray for a miscarriage, which like, I I understand people think that that's like what the body does, but it doesn't always get the right signal. Right. That that's why medicine exists. Um, and so you weren't able, like we have the ability to drain and to work. And now that those, you know, products of conception are in there stewing and she got septic and she died. Like that's, that's the thing is like when you overreach into these things without understanding all of the different ways this could impact. And like, you know, how many people do you know in your life who had miscarriages or an ectopic pregnancy? And it's, it's very scary to think about like, my hands are tied. I can't dilate you. You know, right. like I, I know what you need to make this go away and I literally can't do it. So we just have to hope that it gets to a point where your life is in immediate threat before I'm even, I can't act. Yeah. And I, I, I know we, we briefly talked about not getting into the politics of it, but I, I can't help myself because you just, uh, you just sort of brought up, I think it was Louis Gohmert, uh, made a reference to uh if it's not a legitimate pregnancy the female body has a way of shutting that whole thing down um so as you've come on as a guest to the show wearing a feminist t-shirt with an rbg pin which i wish this was a video cast but i <laughs> I want people to know uh that natalie's repping pretty hard over here um let's let's hear some of the some of the politics on this i'm sure i'm going to agree with most things we 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 see eye to eye on a lot of things but go through some of the political problems with this and then we'll wrap it yeah, up yeah um so Again, I, this doesn't have to be so heated and and I wish, I really wish it wasn't. Um, but here we are. So we're medical, we're medical. You wrote this in our, in our little list, we're medical professionals, but we're allowed to have an opinion on this. Absolutely. Like being a medical professional does not mean that like, okay, well, let's leave the politics out. It doesn't isolate our patients in a certain way, because I'm not sitting here saying I will not treat someone who's pro-life. What the, no, it's not like, it's not like that. It's just for my patients as a patient advocate, I believe that this is going to cause harm to my patients. Um, and so for me, I think it directly affects our profession. It directly affects patients trust in us because they're going to be sketched out if they can even tell us something that's going on, they don't want to tell mm-hmm. us. And so then we spend, you know, speaking of resources, since that's like the hot topic on how to cut costs in healthcare, right? Like that is going to drive up costs because if the patient were to just come in and be like, yo, I used a knitting needle to try and perforate the sack and it didn't work then. Okay. Now we know, but if you don't say that and we're like, what the fuck's going on with this person, throw them into an MRI, do this. Like we're driving up costs, right? Not that, not that that's what really matters, but for, you know, 
the system it does. So for us, as, long, and, as long as medicine is a business in this country, that's what it's going to be. Right. That's it. Uh, so then some states will impose laws with literal bounties on our heads. So that is true. Like some states are talking about like a literal, like $5,000 bounty for a regular, like citizens arrest style for regular civilians to say, I suspect that Natalie, I suspect her is like, she's running an underground abortion ring, which like, maybe who knows? You don't know. Um, and, I mean, I enjoyed the handmaid's tale, but I didn't expect it to be no, like not a like guide that. Yeah, not to like real that. life. You know, I, I feel like that's a bit much. Right. And so, so when I say like bounties, it's like, it could be, con it's considered for someone aiding someone in getting an abortion. So I, I raised the question, like, could that be considered like us taking someone to the hospital? And, and you have to think about it like that because it's a law. It's a well, and, law. And if we're taking someone to the hospital who is in the process of aborting, how responsible are we as providers? Because that, that's that gets into the the duty to act and, and all that kind of stuff, too. So and one of the one of the notes that we have on here is uh, that we have, we're essentially having. Uh, I'm, I'm going to quote this because it's fun. Mm. Allowing uneducated lawmakers to decide our protocols. They don't even understand what some of the terms are. So like talking about the abortion thing or like, you know, trying to re-implant an ectopic and those kind of things. Like, okay, you've, you don't like, you just don't know what you're talking about. You right. just don't. I don't and, try and come in here and know what some of your shit means. I don't know what an objection means practically, you know, like yeah. it's just staying in everyone's own lane. And, and that's why I think it is so important for us as healthcare providers to be kind of vocal about this because it's like most people don't realize that this is kind of common sense. Like this is kind of a common sense thing. And because it's so emotional and so heated, like they just don't, they don't fully understand like the repercussions of a law, a law, you know, right. like this, this limits everything. So, and, and then finally, like the, the other things, of course, maternal mortality is going to go up. It's already like, we are literally last in developed countries by a fucking landslide. Mm -hmm. um, and so maternal mortality is going to go up. So enjoy that, you know, and then, um, women's ability to work. So like, hope you like your female partners, hope you like that. They are able to like, you know, not procreate all the time. And they're able to actually work. Like it genuinely, like this is RBG's quote is like, this is literally like <laughs> the ability to realize their full potential is intimately connected to their ability to control their reproductive lives. RBG period, the end mm -hmm. it's true. Like at the invention of the oral contraception pill, women were able to join as productive members of society more than just baby making factories. Okay. So like, let's go there. Um, and then finally, which is what Roe v. Wade and KCV Parenthood or yeah, Planned Parenthood was all about is privacy. Like that is ultimately what gave, by the way, the Supreme Court, a seven to two decision in 1973 in support of Roe v. Wade, like to, to support that because they said the 14th amendment, their right to privacy is important. And that's what I, I really wish people would understand is like, this could begin to crumple a lot of healthcare, healthcare privacy, at least, you know, like psychiatric. What if the government decides, you know, I don't think that some people who have epilepsy who have diabetes who do this who do that should be able to have um a license at all like never not just a year after your seizure whatever i don't think that they should be able to so it's just like it really does well, open the ability here 
it was an interesting microcosm um, too. And it, it's, it's an imperfect comparison, but I feel like we sort of had a same conversation when it came to giving Narcan to drug overdoses, because it, it, it very much was a personal accountability argument. Like I didn't make you take heroin. Why should I give you Narcan? And it's like, because you signed up to do your fucking job. That's, that's what it is. We all like, I, I did like the thing, like we're, we're all entitled to our opinion. We're all entitled to our own thoughts, but it, you cannot allow that to sort of shade your treatment of your patient. Like it's, it's, you just can't, that's not why we got into this field. You know, we, we know that we have at risk and, you know, generally ill people in the population. It is our job to treat them and to try to fix them as best we can. Um, Natalie Zink, thank you so much for talking to me about this. Uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll do this again, uh, probably in the not too distant future, given the way the I world know. is going. We get to yell even more. Ooh, even better. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll put all that stuff in the show notes. Uh, thanks everyone for listening for the overrun. I am Ed Bowder, and we will talk to you next time.